0: joining us for this week's broadcast of a word from the lord today dr beach brings us a message of pentecost entitled be ye filled with the holy
1: spirit in the year 1900 a prayerful humble roman catholic nun obeyed the voice of the lord and wrote to the pope encouraging him to pray for a fresh outpouring of the holy spirit When Pope Leo XIII received the letter, he had been dismayed and concerned about the terrible conditions and relationships among the nations of the world at the time and the horrible things people were facing. And so he responded to the letter by summoning the College of Cardinals to a prayer vigil at the Vatican on New Year's Eve 1900 to ask God to pour out his Holy Spirit afresh upon the world for the upcoming century. Well, that same evening... New Year's Eve, halfway around the world in Topeka, Kansas, which would have been a few hours later, a young Methodist pastor named Charles Parham had decided that he must do something about the emptiness of his spiritual life. And so he gathered with some friends and they were studying the Bible in the book of Acts and began to pray for what they saw was the baptism of the Holy Spirit which was described in Acts chapter 1 verse 5. And then it happened. The prayers of the Pope and his College of Cardinals were answered, but not quite as they expected, and they probably didn't know about it because communications were much different then, and now we have the the ability to look back. But that night, the Holy Spirit descended on Charles Parham and his friends, and several spoke in tongues, and began to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. This transformed his life and his ministry. Three years later, Reverend Parham spent three months holding revival services in a little town in Kansas called Galena. The Cincinnati Inquirer wrote the following article. Quote, It is doubtful whether in recent years anything has occurred that has awakened the interest, the excitement, the convent, or mystified the people of this region, as have the religious meetings being held there by Reverend C.F. Parham. Almost three months have elapsed since this man came to Galena and during that time he has healed over a thousand people and converted more than 800. People who have not walked for years without the aid of crutches have risen from the altar with their limbs so straightened that they were able to lay aside their crutches. Here the followers receive what they term the Pentecost and they were able to speak in foreign languages which which they were totally unfamiliar. This alone is considered one of the most remarkable things of the meeting. Last week, a woman arose during the meeting and spoke in an unknown tongue for 10 minutes, no one apparently in the audience knowing what she said. An Indian, who had come from the Pawnee Reservation in the territory that day to attend the services, stated that she was speaking in the language of the tribe and that he could understand every word of the testimony. Well, a black minister by the name of W.J. Seymour attended some of these meetings, and he was touched by the Holy Spirit as well. So Reverend Seymour goes back to Los Angeles, and he was invited to preach in a, a church there. And he planned to preach a series of sermons on the Holy Spirit and the phenomenon of speaking in tongues. But after the first meeting, it was just too much for the elders of the little church. The next day, when the Reverend Seymour arrived to preach, he found the doors of the church locked. So a member opened her house, and three days later, at 312 Azusa Street, the Holy Spirit descended again, and the people had a similar experience to the original Pentecost. The Azusa Street Revival lasted all day and all night for three years. During the Azusa Street Revival, visitors came from all over the nation, And various types of Christian churches from around the world. The revival spread to the Presbyterian church. It spread to the independent Baptist churches. It even spread to the Anglican church. In 1906, the Church Missionary Society from the Church of England had Anglican missionaries in India. A 16 year old Indian girl began to speak in a language nobody could identify. The canon of the, the Anglican Cathedral invited friends to come and pray for the girl in hopes of finding someone who could understand the language. And last, somebody did. The language she was speaking was Arabic. And the prayer she was offering was for the safety of the Christians in Liberia, a country she had never heard of. This Pentecostal outpouring continued to spread. It spread to the Methodist Episcopal Church. It spread to China, to New York, to London, to Amsterdam, Calcutta, and even to Little Rock. Everywhere the story was the same. People were filled with the Holy Spirit, and some of them began to speak in unlearned languages. A nun obeyed the voice of the Lord and wrote a letter. A pope and his cardinals prayed. The world received a fresh outpouring Of the Holy Spirit. Now, why did I take us on this journey? Again, I've shared this before. Again, why did I take us on this history lesson of the Holy Spirit from the last century? For one, in reading the news headlines and hearing the commentary on recent internet blogs and news pundits, our world is in need of a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But also for you and I. Do we need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Do we need to be renewed by the Holy Spirit? Now, do I expect everyone to speak in tongues? It is, after all, Pentecost Sunday. No. No, don't miss the point. I mean, in reading 1 Corinthians 12, the Word of God tells us that the gifts of God are distributed as He wills. So why the history lesson? Because this is what Pentecost is all about. This day we remember. People were filled with the Holy Spirit. People received spiritual gifts and people witnessed for Jesus Christ. This is normal Christianity. This is what God intends for his people. The filling of the Holy Spirit, using our spiritual gifts that he gives us and then witnessing for Jesus Christ. Isn't this what happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? They were filled With the Holy Spirit, they received spiritual gifts. And in this case, it was the gift of tongues. And they used those gifts to witness to the Lord and for the Lord. This is normal Christianity. Now, I know we fluff it up with all kinds of religion and we get sidetracked so easy. But this is normal Christianity. If you are going to have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, then you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. For it's the Holy Spirit who enables us to know the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit who enables us to commune with Him. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us hear His voice. It's the Holy Spirit who gives counsel. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us in our afflictions and comforts us. It's the Holy Spirit who teaches us spiritual truth. It's the Holy Spirit who guides you and I in the way we're supposed to go. The Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus among us. By the way, remember this about the Holy Spirit. He will never have you do anything that contradicts the commands of Scripture. He will never ask you to do something that violates His Word. He wrote this Word. Remember 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, all Scripture is inspired by God. God breathed. In 2 Peter Chapter 1, verse 20, we find that the Spirit led those to write what the words here are. He will not lead us to contradict this book. Now, I know throughout the years, especially in my generation, there's been a lot of confusion and, in many cases, unbiblical teaching about the Holy Spirit. For example, one that's often taught is if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Well, that's false. That's not biblical. But you can't live the Christian life without the holy spirit. And unless the holy spirit is leading it, it's not a christian life. One of my favorite verses in the bible, it's always been strong to me is Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's how I learned it in that translation. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The the NIV has it closer to what it actually means. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Well, I decided to do a word study. Well, who's this him who gives me strength? Well, I did a literal translation of it, and this is the literal translation of the, of the verse. All things I can do in the one empowering me. Well, who is it that empowers us? The Holy Spirit. Now, too many of us are trying to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. By the way, this little diagram was... Uh, was drawn by one of my youth group kids years ago when I was a youth pastor, and I just thought it explained it really well. (laughs) Too many of us are trying to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like trying to run, run your car without gasoline. It's like trying to turn on the lights in your house without electricity. It's like trying to use your iPhone without a battery. It won't work. The Christian life without the Holy Spirit is miserable and frustrating. So when do you receive the Holy Spirit? hear this a lot. A lot of church arguments about this. A lot of wasted time about this. When do you receive the Holy Spirit? Personally, I think it's the wrong question, but I'll answer it. Many believe you receive the Holy Spirit when you're baptized. And there's biblical and historical evidence for this. Many believe you receive the Holy Spirit when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And there's biblical and historical evidence for this. Many believe you receive the Holy Spirit sometime after you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And after you've been baptized. And there's biblical and historical evidence for that as well. I don't think you can put God in a box on this one. As much as we want to, we can't. The question I would ask is not when do you receive the Holy Spirit, but have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Is he present in your life? And does the Holy Spirit have you? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? If not, you can be baptized, you can pray all you want, you can go through all kinds of ritual, but until you surrender your will to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit can't lead you. I know for many of us it's a process. But let me ask you, Of what you know at this moment, are you surrendered to the Lord or are you holding something back? As soon as we put up resistance, we begin to quench the fire of the Spirit. And He's limited in what He can do in us and through us because we put the brakes on it. So back to the question, when do you receive the Holy Spirit? Every day. I pray every day for the Holy Spirit to fill me. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, 13, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, it doesn't matter if I was filled yesterday. It doesn't matter if I was filled when I was baptized. It doesn't matter if I was filled when I was saved or accepted Jesus. What matters is am I filled today, right now? Because we are human, we sin we leak, we go astray, and we have a daily need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How many times have you, like me, been down on your knees before the Lord, and you confess your sin, and you're asking His forgiveness, and then all of a sudden, this peace and this presence just washes over you. So refreshing, like a hot, warm shower. It's the Holy Spirit refilling you with His presence. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, the Apostle Paul writes this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Billy Graham comments on this verse this way. He says, when you're drunk, the wine's controlling you. I wanted to ask him how he knew that, but anyway. Just. <laughs> Anyway, when you're drunk, the whole the wine is controlling you. He says, "God wants the Spirit to control you." Isn't that true? This word "be filled" here too. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to. Wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This word "be filled" is not a one-time event. Be filled is in the continuous action tense of the Greek language, which is written. It's hard to kind of translate. They, they should say "be continuously filled." Because that's what it means. It's a command. It's a directive. Be filled. Be always filled. Be continuously filled. Why? Because we sin. We leak. We're human. We mess up. And Pentecost reminds us that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit even now, even today. How do you know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? My favorite answer on this is Galatians chapter 5. Beginning in verse 16, we find these words. How do you know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Paul writes, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. If those things are in your life, if you're, you, you can't be in the Spirit and do those things. That's contrary to the Holy Spirit. But then he goes on, he says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You have the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. If I'm in the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to be practicing the fruit of the flesh. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? If so, the fruit of the Holy Spirit will be present in your life. You cannot exhibit the fruit of the flesh and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hear me on that. We live in a world where people just compromise that. Oh, it's okay to sin. No, it's not. And if I'm sinning, I'm not in the Holy Spirit. You cannot be living in sin or with sin and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot be hostile, angry, bitter, and resentful and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's your clue, sister Christian, brother Christian, that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit when those things are present in your life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. That's one. Hmm. Goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self control. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives, and it radiates out to those we encounter. Pentecost also reminds us that we are given spiritual gifts so that you and I might be a witness to the Lord. Now, we can argue about the gifts. But 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4 all talk about varieties of gifts. These are spiritual abilities, not natural abilities, which God gives us in order to get His work done. He wants His gospel proclaimed. He wants sinners to repent and return to Him. He wants to heal the sick. He wants to deliver those who are possessed. He wants to feed the poor. He wants prisoners visited. He wants the widows and orphans cared for. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll have spiritual gifts which will lead you to minister for Him, to serve His purpose here on planet Earth. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will manifest some of His spiritual gifts as you are serving Him. For some of you, you break down in tears when you think of someone dying without knowing Jesus. For some of you, you can't stand it to see someone sick and you want to pray for the person to be healed. For some of you, your heart breaks when you see someone going without a meal. It's the Holy Spirit in you. If we're in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, I truly believe that one of the aspects of that is we will learn to use our spiritual gifts to the glory of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus told his disciples before the day of Pentecost, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so those disciples, they waited. And the day of Pentecost came, and the Holy Spirit was poured out, and they ministered in the power of that Holy Spirit. How about you? Is this where you are this morning? Are you ministering and living and and following the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you in need to say, Lord, I surrender again to you and I ask you to refill me. Fill me anew and afresh. Send your unction. Send your anointing. Charles Spurgeon said that a church in the land without the Spirit is rather a curse than a blessing. If you have not the Spirit of God, he writes, Christian worker, remember that you stand in somebody else's way. You are a fruitless tree standing where a fruitful tree might grow. Whew. Mordecai Ham wrote this, I had an overwhelming experience of the Lord's presence. I felt so powerfully overcome by the nearness of the Holy Spirit that I had to ask the Lord to draw back lest He kill me. It was so glorious I couldn't stand more than a small portion of it. Now, I'm not saying we're all supposed to have that kind of experience, but the presence of the Holy Spirit in one's life is real. It's valid. I know we get busy living life. We get busy doing ministry, helping others. But we must stop and ask the question, am I being led by the Holy Spirit, or am I just doing what I think is best? For you see, the devil would love to have us all doing good things, but miss out on God's things. And unless we ask the question, we remain oblivious and completely ignorant to the fact that we could actually be spending our time, our energy, and other resources on activities which have nothing to do with what God wants us to do. Am I being led by the Holy Spirit? Or am I just doing what I think is best? Brothers and sisters, we live in a time where we need churches and we need individuals that are filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we sin, that we get on our knees and we immediately confess it and we ask God to fill us anew and afresh. We need to be living in the power of the Spirit in what we say, in what we do, in our families, and our friends, and with our friends, in the neighborhoods we live in, and especially in our nation. But churches all over this country are celebrating this day this morning and sadly to the breaking of my heart the holy spirit won't be anywhere near it. he only comes when we surrender surrender the brothers and sisters be filled with the holy spirit it's the command of our lord jesus christ given to us by the apostle paul be filled with the holy spirit amen
0: That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's sermon and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. A Word from the Lord also has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can also find us on Facebook, and be sure to click the like button to follow our feed. Also, you can visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. On the blog, you can read the many articles posted by Dr. Beach. Many of these blog entries are excerpts and full articles published in local publications. Again, his blog address is bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. And for those of you who love Twitter and to tweet... You can follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. That's twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at Foley Beach at a word from the Lord. Again, his email address is Foley Beach at a word from the Lord.org. For those of you who don't use Facebook, Twitter, or email, you can still contact him by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Again, our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. And we thank you for the opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ Through this ministry. Join us here again for the next broadcast. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.